live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Man, I tell you, welcome to Wisconsin weather in April. The weather doesn't care about coronavirus one way or the other. You've got cold. You've got snow showers. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, for everybody who's wanting to talk about, let's go out and open up the golf courses. Well, okay, yes, should we have the golf courses open, of course, but who's going to be playing golf when it's this cold? But the weather will, in fact, get better. The election was yesterday, lots of analysis, and as I said, I I think this is going to be one of those times where the, the whole election, the April 2020 election in Wisconsin, is going to be something that they're going to be teaching in political science classes for the next couple decades just like the, the whole recall effort and, and Act 10 is going to be taught a, as well. Interesting times. I don't know that there were any really big surprises that were out there. Um, Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley wins. Now, I, I, I don't know. We didn't carry the whole of pre- Chris Larson's press conference. He, he, he was very close. It was a very, very close race. This was one that could have gone either way. And if you hadn't had the whole coronavirus thing going on, you you wonder what the campaign would have been like. But it's pretty clear that Crowley won. He's up by a 1,000 votes out of like 99,000 or so votes cast. And the if Larson were to ask for a, a recount, that would candidly, well, it's not going to change the results any. So it's very, very clear that David Crowley is going to be the next Milwaukee County executive. He is more conservative than Chris Larson, although nobody would describe David Crowley as a conservative. Be interesting to see, of course, where that goes. One of the, it's not necessarily a surprise, but, you know, one of the, well, perhaps undercovered stories from last night is that City of Milwaukee, Milwaukee City Attorney Grant Langley, who's been in the city attorney's office. He started out as assistant city attorney in the 70s. He's been the city attorney since, I believe, 1984. He was soundly defeated last night by an attorney named Tierman Spencer. And this is one of these interesting things that if you talk to a lot of people in the legal community, nobody has any idea who Tierman Spencer is. And, and I don't say that as a knock. It's just that this is he's not a high profile. He is not a prominent attorney. Um, but but he is going to be the new Milwaukee city attorney. This is one of those stories, and, and I, I consider Grant Langley to be a, a friend, not a close personal friend, but I, I've always had a lot of respect for him. Being the Milwaukee city attorney is a very, very difficult job because you're the one that is charged with cleaning up the messes of a lot of other people. And, and you know, you it's one of those deals where, 
nobody nobody really calls you up and tells you you're doing a heck of a job. If you have one of those things where, let, let's say you have a lawsuit against the police for a police brutality sort of situation, well, okay, you're, you're in this position where your client is the city of Milwaukee, and it's the taxpayers of the city of Milwaukee, and you have an obligation to you know put on a defense. Well, okay, if you settle the case, you're going to get criticized for settling the case. If you fight the case, you're going to get criticized for fighting the case. Be- being the city attorney, like I say, particularly in a large urban area like Milwaukee, very difficult job. It's sort of like being a prison warden. You know, whenever your phone rings, nobody's calling you up to tell you that you're doing a heck of a job. That, that's just it. The, the phone rings and people are telling you, why are you spending so much on the prison? Or do you know that you've got these conditions or whatever? Be, being the city attorney is very, very difficult. And uh, Grant Langley, I think, did an outstanding job over the course of the last several decades navigating a very, very difficult sort of situation. Um, what, so what happened? Well, I think... And this is a difficult thing. I think it was, at times, you, you reach a point where it's just time to get off the stage. That, that's the bottom line. Grant Langley had sent a number of signals to various people that, that this was it. He, he was wrapping up. He was not going to run for re-election. And then he, he kind of decided at the last minute that he was. This comes on the heels of some very, very controversial cases involving the, the city of Milwaukee and the police, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think this was one of those things where Grant Langley would have been much better served going with his initial instincts, which said, hey, it's time to retire. In any event, the voters made that choice for him. And I certainly wish the new city attorney the, the best of luck. It's a very challenging job. But Grant Langley was a very, very good public servant, and uh, he, he deserves to be commended for his decade of work. One of the other big uh, election results is the city of Milwaukee, overwhelmingly approving a referendum to increase property taxes by quite a bit, as a matter of fact, for an $87 million spending referendum for the Milwaukee public schools. So this is being described by a lot of the public school advocates as this, this lifeline, an important decision, things like that. This is, this is going to be the lifeline which is going to eliminate the need for, for painful for painful cuts. And, and that's fine. School referendums tend to pass, and we, we saw that pretty much across the state yesterday. I'm not sure if there were any school referendums that ended up losing. But the, the voters decided to um, increase their property taxes and put money into MPS, and, and, and that's great. I think it is going to be interesting, and this is the test. All right, now you've got $87 million more coming into the system. The test is going to be, number one, how is that money going to be spent? And number two, will it generate results? All right, you've got $87 million coming in. Is it going to be fair to look three years down the line or five years down the line and say, okay, is the Milwaukee public school system any better? Have there been improvements that have been made? And how do you measure those improvements? Are we seeing better test scores? Are we seeing better reading rates? Are we, do we have more kids staying in school? All those different things. But now they've got a bunch of money. And I think it is fair to hold people accountable for that. you got more money. How are you going to spend it? And then do the taxpayers have a right to say, show us the results. What's going to be going on from this? And my answer would be, yeah. And I think it's fair to check in. And then in perhaps the least surprising election of the night, uh, Tom Barrett winning re-election easily in his race against Lena Taylor. I, I think it was pretty apparent early on that Tom Barrett was likely to be a reelected mayor. He had a huge 
war chest that dwarfed that of, of any of the other potential challengers. For whatever reason in Milwaukee, you, you, you don't have sitting mayors thrown out. And, you know, and look, fair or not, I think that there's all sorts of, of issues that could have developed during this campaign. You could have looked at the high unemployment rate in Milwaukee. You could have had the whole issue over the health department and the, the lead in the pipes and those things. You've always got issues of crime, et cetera, et cetera. But for whatever reason, Tom Barrett has, has managed, and maybe it's fair, he's kind of managed to be the Teflon mayor and really hasn't been held accountable for a lot of those failings. Lena Taylor, I think, would have run a different campaign had it not been for the whole COVID-19 outbreak, which essentially took all the campaign issues off of the table. You know, when, when people are worried about, my gosh, you know, what's what's going on and am I going to get sick and are my parents going to get sick and there's enough hospital beds and all those type of things, that, that becomes the sole priority. And people don't tend to think about, I mean, maybe some of the other issues that would have played out in a normal campaign. This wasn't a normal campaign. But the bottom line is, I, I think Barrett would have probably coasted to re-election anyways. But not being able to focus on issues outside of coronavirus made it more likely. So Tom Barrett around for another four years. What's one of the things to see? My guess is as soon as he can get a chance, especially with the new makeup of the Common Council and some of the trolley opponents leaving office like Bob Donovan, my guess is you're going to see a huge push to spend more money to try to expand the trolley. We'll see. In any event, that was the election. The statewide election that got a lot of attention was the race between conservative Justice Dan Kelly and liberal Dane County Judge Jill Karofsky. Karofsky wins big. No question about it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about that race and also ask you what this means, if anything, for November. I'll explain. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Our number, 855-616-1620. All right, the statewide race that everybody got a chance to vote in. Liberal Jill Karofsky beating conservative justice Dan Kelly. Here, let, let me just give you my quick analysis of it, and then there's something I want to talk to you about. All right, the... Turnout, despite all the the complaints and the criticism, the turnout, 34%, which is actually pretty good in this type of of election. Um, The 2019 turnout for the Supreme Court race, that was 27%. So this year the the turnout was 7% higher. Interestingly, 71% of the ballots that were cast in the race were cast absentee, and that is either via the mail or the you know the early voting, the early absentee voting. I think that's going to be one of the trends moving forward, that more and more people are going to be voting early. I don't see Wisconsin moving to a mail-only ballot system, nor do I think that they should. Um, but th- there's no question, I think people have gotten used to voting early, 71%. Seven out of ten votes cast um, either via the mail or the early voting, and, and that's a trend. It's something that the candidates are going to have to pay attention to. All right, there, there, there's no way to there's no way to sugarcoat this from the conservative perspective. The conservative candidate lost, and the election candidly wasn't close. So, you know what what happened? Well, Dane County, and 
and Milwaukee County, particularly the city of Milwaukee, they had decent levels of turnout. It, it matched the 2019 turnout, approximately. What happened is, in Wisconsin, if you are going to have a conservative or a Republican win statewide, here's what you need to have happen. There needs to be a huge turnout in what they call the wow counties. That would be Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki County, the collar counties around Milwaukee. You also need to have a very solid turnout in the Fox Valley. You need to run up margins there because the Democrats are going to run up margins in Dane County and in Milwaukee County. Now, conversely, for Democrats, if you're going to win statewide, and, and Tony Evers was Tony Evers demonstrated this, you need to run up massive vote totals in Dane County and in, in Milwaukee County and then just kind of hope you hold on for the rest of the state. And that's... That's pretty much what happened yesterday. In, in the Tony Evers election, what happened is you had huge turnout in, in Dane County and to a lesser extent in Milwaukee County, particularly Dane County. Yesterday, it wasn't so much the enormous turnout in, in Dane County and Milwaukee County, although it was solid, but what you saw is in the collar counties, the, the wow counties in southeastern Wisconsin, the, the margins that you needed for Kelly to win simply weren't there. Same thing true in the Fox Valley, but but Kelly, for whatever reasons, and I've got some theories, and I'm going to share that with you in just a minute, and we can discuss, Kelly underperformed what he needed to in the heavily conservative areas. Did, did he win Waukesha County? Did he win Ozaki County? Did he win Washington County? Yeah, yeah, he did. But he didn't win it by the type of margins that he needed. So, in other words, the Republican voters in those areas did not turn out in the numbers that they needed to turn out, or that they chose to, to vote for Jill Krofsky. But I think it was really, they just didn't turn out as much. All right, so what does this mean for moving forward? Now, there are going to be some people out there who are going to just dismiss this. They're going to say, look, you, know, you, you can draw no conclusions from what happened yesterday trying to look forward to November. And, and I understand why they're, they're going to say that. They would say, first of all, this was an odd election. I mean, all bets were off. You had all the early absentee voting. You had the, the specter of coronavirus, which was encouraging you know, people to, to stay home. So, you, you, you know, the, the patterns. The patterns won't necessarily play out. You can make that argument. In addition, you can also argue that in Wisconsin, there, there was not a contested Republican presidential primary. Now, there, there really wasn't on the Democrat side either, but still there were a whole bunch of people on the ballot, and the number of people who voted in the Democratic Party primary were much, much higher, by like a couple hundred thousand, than the people who voted in the Republican primary. So there wasn't anything out there driving Republicans to the polls. So if you're looking to try to just brush off what happened on on Tuesday, uh, last Tuesday, if you're looking to just brush it off, I, I understand people can do that. I think that would be a mistake. And, and some people aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but this, this is just kind of how I analyze it. I think the results yesterday that were announced are a very bad sign for President Trump moving forward. 
One of, and I'll explain as best I can, and you feel free to agree or, or disagree with me. Our number, by the way, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, first of all, Justice Kelly did not generate the, the turnout, the number of Republican voters that he needed to rack up the margins he needed, again, in the Wow counties and in the Fox Valley. Now, you could say part of that was a failure on Justice Kelly. Okay, part of it was just a weird campaign because of coronavirus. But I firmly believe that there is a lot of disenchantment among Republican voters with President Trump. I think you saw this in 2018. It is my firm belief that Scott Walker would still be the governor were it not for President Trump at the top of the uh, in the White House. Because I think 2018 was this wave election, and just like we saw before, sometimes when Barack Obama was the president, you, you had a backlash. In this case, in 2020, I think what you saw yesterday is you saw typically Republican conservative voters who decided to stay home. Not everybody, but enough of them stayed home to make a difference. And I'm not sure how that dynamic changes. I understand that there's lots of people who are just willing to run through brick walls to vote for President Trump. And that's good news for Republicans, and it's good news for President Trump. I think there are a lot of other Republican-leaning voters, though, who are just kind of discouraged for whatever reason, and they decided to stay home. And I think that's going to be a huge problem looking forward to November. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm not saying that Wisconsin can't be won by President Trump. I do think it's almost impossible to see how he gets reelected if he doesn't win Wisconsin. And candidly, looking at the voting patterns yesterday, I don't think... I, I think it's an uphill battle. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that might not be what some of you want to hear, but that's kind of the way I see it. We are back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Russ on the east side. Russ, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for having me, Jeff. Um I often disagree with you, except I, in this case, your assessment, I think, is right on. I think people throughout Wisconsin are just so incensed with our president and what he's doing and what he hasn't done that they, they're they taking it out on Republicans in Wisconsin. And I think that if President or Senator Johnson was on the ballot this fall, he would go down, too. I think it's a very, very... <laughs> very phenomenon that is real and is happening. People are disgusted with our president. And um, and they're also disgusted with his cult-like followers, who just blindly say that everything he does is, is, is okay. It's a scary time. I watch him at these press conferences, and I, and I am literally expecting him, because he's so unhinged, to order the arrest of these journalists. It's a scary time, and people are afraid, and people are angry. And they are going to take it out on the polls. I think you're seeing a movement here that is going to continue for the next several years. Well, it'd be interesting. I mean, thanks for the call, Russ. I mean, it's one of two things. I think you you see, and look, I've been doing this long enough that that I've I've seen these sort of things happen. I remember, for example, um, there was a, a backlash in 2006 to President Bush 
That was his second term, and you had you know every Republican on the ballot was losing. It was people rushing to, to take it out on, on President Bush, even they couldn't vote against him. You had the same thing that happened during the Obama years in both of the off-year elections, where the Democrats just got slaughtered because people were unhappy with the president, and they, and they took it out on, on, on him. In this particular case, I, I do think you're seeing that play out. As I said before the break, and I mean it, I, I think Scott Walker would still have been the governor were it not for the fact that you had the, this anti-President Trump backlash that, in that case, I think it, it motivated people in Dane County and Milwaukee County to run through brick walls to try to vote, and, and, and that's, that's what the difference was. Now, yesterday was a little bit different because... You, you had an underperformance in a number of the counties that Wisconsin Republicans or conservatives need to win. And I think part of it was that there were just a lot of maybe right-leaning voters who at the end of the day perhaps stayed home. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, it might be a different dynamic with President Trump on the ballot in November. And again, I'm trying to be careful not to draw too many big conclusions for this, but I don't think you can, if you're being objective, and don't send me the text telling me to go work for MSNBC, I'm just trying to be objective in analyzing this. And if you're looking at what happened yesterday and you're just going to stick your head in the sand and say, this has this has no meaning for what's going to happen in November, I think you're being incredibly naive. Now, does it mean that you can't change the dialogue and change the dynamics? Well, of, of course. I mean, there's a lot of time between now and then. But I do think there are lessons. Mary in Grafton. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, uh, Jeff. I um, was listening to your program, and I just wanted to make a statement you said about the voting, and um, you mentioned Ozaki County. And if uh, you recall that um, the uh, borderlines for um, voting wanted to be changed by uh uh, at the time, uh, Mr. Kelly. And I think that is one of the reasons uh, that seeing that he lost is because he and a, a Zaki County judge uh, ruled mm-hmm. over him. Um, it just shows you that the individuals are thinking of their own self and not everyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as uh, with the president, um, I feel that er- listening to his newscasts and everything, uh, he's standing over these people uh, like a dictator and um, and we're tra- actually aggravated with all the lies you hear from him. One day he says one thing, the next day uh, his group says well, another thing and yeah, they well, Mary, deny th- it. Right. Well, Mary, thank, thanks for the call. I, I do, we're actually a little bit later on the program. We're going to revisit the the whole idea of the, the press conferences. I know we did a segment on it last week, but but yesterday's <laughs> yesterday yesterday's was, was just a, a piece of work, and we are going to talk about that. I mean, I, I'm not sure the Ozaki County thing, how that all played out, other than to uh, about the court rulings and all. I, I just think that you know, right now. You have, and, and this Wisconsin, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time. I can remember times when the, and we're, we're a very, very split state, and I can remember times when the conservative voters in Wisconsin have been incredibly energized, 
And I mean, you saw that in the, the Walker recall, for example, you know, and rushing through the polls. And I can remember times when the left, the, the Democrat, the liberal voters have been very energized. And it seems to me right now we are in a period where the left is more energized than the right. And I think that's one of the things that you saw play out yesterday. And I understand it wasn't a partisan election, but let's face it, the way this is being spun is the conservative Republican candidate loses, the liberal Democrat candidate wins. Roger on the north side. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you doing today, Jeff? I am well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, what I think about this is uh, that the, uh, let, let's start with the, the Trump endorsement. So when Trump interjected his feelings about um, uh, Judge Kelly, uh, I think that uh, that also energized the, uh, as far as the Democrats, as far as I, I yep. did. I did vote for the other candidate, and I think that his, uh, I think Trump's endorsement right now of different candidates, I think that he should back off that because that also is contributing to this backlash of what's going on. And then my second point I want to hear what you want to talk about is that the, the Republicans anticipated that with all the absentee ballots that were in Wisconsin that they felt that were not counted as of yet but they felt that those ballots would go for Kelly and to hold the election on the 7th, I think it, 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 when it backfired. Because if they would have held off the election, I think that Kelly would have actually won the election. But because the Republicans felt that, that, that the number mm-hmm. of ballots, I think it was a million or so, whatever the number was, that they felt that they had enough ballots that they could actually yeah. put Kelly over the top along with Trump's endorsement. Just want to hear your opinion on it. Well, thanks for the call. I don't. I mean, I guess I. I don't know. This is, one, and as I said in the lead into this, one of the things that that's tough, tough about the election results yesterday and the election last week to draw larger conclusions is, it, it was such a weird time. And and by that I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how this debate would have played out. If we did not have the backdrop of shelter at home or safer at home or, or coronavirus, because I mean, candidly, and I understand that there were there were TV commercials that you saw running and maybe the occasional radio commercial, but but let's face it, the last month of this campaign, there was nobody or almost nobody paying attention to the Supreme Court race. What were people talking about there? They're talking about whether they're going to get sick or whether one of their family members are going to get sick or whether they're going to have to take a pay cut or whether they're going to lose their jobs or, you know, what, what's it going to mean that all your favorite places are closed? I mean, that's what the dynamic was. Very few people were thinking about the, the Supreme Court race. So I, it, it's tough for me to say to, to definitively, gee, did, did the failure to postpone the election to kick it back to June, did that help or hurt Kelly? I, I don't know. And, and the truth is, I don't think anybody knew that one way or the other. Now, the conventional wisdom months ago was that a contested Democrat primary was going to, you know, increase the Democratic turnout, and that would lead to to a win. Well, there were more people that came out and voted in the Democratic primary by a couple hundred thousand, even though it, it wasn't necessarily the uh, it, it wasn't necessarily contested. I guess the bottom line is I don't know for sure, and I don't know that any of us do know because it was just such a weird time, and it was just such an unusual sort of campaign but having said that i just you you look at this and and what you see now 
is this is the second election. Well, last year you had the Republican, the kind of the conservative that came from behind and, and won a close race. But, you know, in this particular race, you, you see the Democrat winning statewide. And, the, again, the numbers, the votes, where the votes came from were important. Madison and Milwaukee producing a bunch of votes and the conservative candidate not being able to get the margins he needed in southeastern Wisconsin and in the Fox Valley. And I guess the question becomes, what does that mean for Donald Trump? Now, I like Justice Kelly, okay? I've met him on a couple occasions. I like him as a person. I'm sorry he lost. I thought he was a good justice. He's not the kind of campaigner that Donald Trump is. So, you know, I, I mean, Trump is... You know, going to be in Wisconsin, he's going to be doing everything he can to gin up the turnout machine because I think he recognizes, like many of us do, that if he doesn't win Wisconsin, it's very, very difficult to see how he gets reelected. So it's going to be a different dynamic. But it, but if there are people in the Republican Party, if there are conservatives or conservative-leaning voters who just want to totally dismiss what happened last night, you need to get your head out of the sand. Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yes, Jeff, I agree with you 100%. I think that the last two elections do not bode well for Trump. Both the endorses for the governor and for the uh, uh, Supreme Court were rejected by the Wisconsin voters, and it does Mm -hmm. not bode well for Trump. Yeah, I well, I I mean, thanks for all. It's it's nothing that you can't it's nothing that you can't overcome. But but we have to understand, we, we know pretty much consistently where the votes come from. I, for example, I don't believe, I was reading some stuff online, some people say, oh, this this means that Waukesha and Ozaki and Washington County are getting more liberal. No, that I, I don't believe that. I mean, I think it's just all a question of what drives turnout. And I think you have, for whatever reasons, voters in those counties that were not as motivated perhaps to come out as as you would have needed them to be. So there it is. What this means for November, I I don't know, but I think both sides have to be taking like a long, hard look at this because it's not something that you can just completely and totally dismiss. Should the election have been postponed from a tactical perspective? I, I don't know. I'm not sure that that would have changed any of the dynamic. It would have taken some of the hostility out of what was happening yesterday. But the bottom line is, it, it is what it is. We now move on to November. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The coronavirus pandemic has touched us all and left us with more questions and answers. What can I do to prevent the spread? What will our economy look like when it's over? Join us this afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. for WTMJ Cares, a special town hall with John McCure, where we'll bring you experts in medicine and finance to help answer your questions. WTMJ Cares is powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum, sponsored by Aurora Healthcare, Drake & Associates, Siding Unlimited, and Annex Wealth Management. WTMJ Cares is supporting the Salvation Army of Milwaukee County. Go to WTMJ.com slash WTMJ Cares, where you can simply text CARES to the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line at 855-616-1620 to learn how you can help. All right, yesterday afternoon, the State Board on Aging and Long-Term Care came out with what I felt was one of the most staggeringly stupid policy statements that I have heard during this entire thing. 
Now, let, let's back up for a second. If you look at the areas where coronavirus has been particularly devastating, it's, it's really, you've got huge problems with the city of Milwaukee, to a lesser extent Milwaukee County, and then getting away from geography, this disease is particularly insidious when it comes to assisted living communities, nursing homes, senior care facilities. What, why is that? Well, it's because you have, as a general rule, a population that is more vulnerable to begin with. Lots of times, lots of underlying health issues that have come with aging. And you've got people that are living in, in close quarters. You know, you've got the nursing home situation where there's just a, a lot of interaction. There's a lot of close in contact with the, the workers who are, are helping the, the older folks. It, it's just, that's just the reality. So one of the, the truisms here is that moving forward, However we come out of this, more on that in about 10 minutes, but however we come out of, of this, I think the way some places operate, including like nursing homes and senior care facilities, that, that's, go, that's going to change. And I mean, candidly, I, I would imagine that wearing masks and stuff inside these facilities or when you're going to visit your parents or your grandparents, I would imagine that, that that's going to be mandatory move, moving on. All right, so, so what happens? Yesterday... The State Board on Aging, and I have this in my hand, issues the, this memo talking about, you know, the, the issues and how you need to be really, really careful, you know, dealing with this vulnerable population. And then they recommend uh, additional rules, which essentially says, you know, don't, don't, don't go out at all, have somebody else manage your, um, your situation. But then this is the operative thing. This is what they're saying to people. Do not visit anyone face-to-face, either in a long-term care setting or outside in the community. Due to recognized spread in long-term care settings and and the safer-at-home order, this now includes not making window visits at any nursing home or assisted living community. So the state of Wisconsin telling you, that you can no longer go over if your mom or dad or your grandma or your grandpa or whatever is in a nursing home or assisted living facility, you can't go over and, and just even have any sort of contact with them like like through the window or, or something like that, which is what a number of people have, in fact, been, been doing. The state of Wisconsin now telling people, at least in this memo yesterday, don't do that. We are not going to allow you to have any sort of even visual contact with your your parents or your grandparents or or whatever can you let me just take a step back can you imagine that i understand you've got to be careful i i get it you you got to be careful with this but to the point where you know you have you know relatives you know maybe maybe you've got a spouse or something who's in one of these facilities they're going to tell you that you can't go and stand on the other side of the window and have a little bit of a communication and wave at her or him i mean really how it, has the state, have these bureaucrats lost their minds? And, and my answer would be yes, of course they've lost their minds. I understand the no person-to-person contact. I get it. But, you know, having having just a visit through a window, for goodness sakes, they allow prisoners to have that. And yet the State Board of Aging is recommending or was recommending yesterday, we are not going to allow you to stand outside the nursing home window and have a conversation with your mom or, or whatever. Well, all right, um, this as soon as this rule came out, it created a lot of controversy, and the, the breaking news is that Governor Evers 
has apparently intervened and gone to the board and had them retract this or requested that they retract this advice because, well, it strikes me that it's staggeringly stupid. I don't know what Governor Evers' rule and what his thinking was, but he went to the board, asked them to retract it, and the board immediately has. So for the moment, at least, there, there's no prohibition of you going over and you know visiting your parents or your grandparents or other loved ones you know through the windows at the nursing home. Now, obviously, you, you know it, it's one thing to have the in-person visits and things like that, but at some point in time. You've got to wonder what these bureaucrats are thinking. So to the extent that order came out yesterday, never mind. Governor Evers got involved and told them, uh, I want you to retract this. And even though it's an independent board, they immediately did retract it. So the in-person visits outside, through the windows, still allowed. Thank goodness. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, when is it time to start loosening the reins? I've got some ideas we'll discuss. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Look, I, I understand we, we live in almost surreal times. And if anybody would have told me six months ago that we would be, I don't know, safer at home and not allowed to go out and you'd have huge chunks of the economy by government fiat government order put out of business and you can't go to restaurants i would have said are, are you nuts but there, there's a lot of very very significant real world problems that we are facing and we certainly talk a lot enough about those on the program and we'll continue to do it one of the things I, i'm also trying to make a conscious effort to do is try to find some of the sort of the absurd things that are going on as a result of, of the world we, we find ourselves in and talk about how people are coping with, like, day-to-day sort of activities. You know, right before the break, we talked about this staggeringly stupid order that the state of Wisconsin issued yesterday saying that if you want to visit your family or your friends, your parents, your grandparents, your your spouse, if they're in a senior living facility, you, you couldn't even go and talk to them through the window. What a staggeringly stupid order that that was. And the, the governor, I think even the governor who wants to keep golf courses closed, realized that that was going too far, and he asked the board to rescind that, and then, then they, they did, which is, of course, the, the, the good thing. But it, it does show kind of where we are nowadays, where the knee-jerk reaction that you have by bureaucrats is to close this down, close that down, even if it doesn't necessarily make any any sense the way it's being conducted. But we do have all sorts of absurd things that are going on. Now, I understand that getting a haircut for people is not the biggest thing in the world. I understand for people who get their hair colored and things like that, not being able to do that for a while isn't the biggest thing in the world. But, you know, we're going on, what, what about a month right now of beauty parlors and uh, hair salons and barber shops being ordered to be closed down, all right? And, then, and who knows? Who knows when the governor is going to continue consider you know allowing people to a- actually go and, and get their hair cut or treated or, or whatever. So this is leading to all sorts of things. Now, I was actually talking to somebody the other day who was saying, you know, it's been a while since I had my hair cut. And um, this is what the person was saying. And they were saying, you know, it, it's just... You know, when it, when it grows out, and they didn't ha- they'd been losing some of their hair and stuff, and they were saying, you know, I, I think I'm on the verge of, that's my acquaintance, I'm on the verge of, like, shaving my head. 
I thought, oh, oh, huh, that, that's, that's kind of interesting. And that, that's one of the ways I guess men can deal with it. Women can too. But, you know, men, I'm just going, I'm going to shave my, my head. Now, in, in my particular case, I, I'm late for a haircut for a couple weeks. My, my wife actually says that she likes me better with the kind of like the longer hair. And I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, if this goes on another month or two, it's going to be like the seventies all over again. But I, I'm not considering cutting, I would, <laughs> I'm not going to be cutting my hair, and I'm not letting anybody else, you know, any of my friends or acquaintances anywhere near my head with scissors. I'm just going to kind of, you know, let it grow because I, I'm pleased at my age to have enough hair left that I, I can let it grow. But for a lot of people, they're really trying to wrestle with that. And so there's this cottage industry that is developing. Story in the Wall Street, in the New York Times today, let me share it with you. The art and awkwardness of a virtual haircut. My husband's hair was looking shaggy. So were my bangs. A hairstylist came to our rescue, or did she, over video chat. More than 20 days into San Francisco shelter-in-place orders with hair salons and barbershops closed, I was resigned to growing out my bangs. But my husband, Matt, who had gone almost two months without a haircut, began threatening to shave his head. For weeks, he'd been trying to hide his floppy, overgrown strands in video calls by wearing large headphones and sitting back in the shadows. But those were only half measures. Hair does not care that we are sheltering in place for who knows how long. It just keeps on growing. That's when I learned about virtual haircuts. Um, she's got a hairstylist, emailed the offer for $55. She said she would walk us through the cut over a video call. So in other words, the thing would be, here, you call me up, and I'll, you know we'll, we'll set up a video chat, and then what I'm going to do is I will teach you how to cut your own hair, or I will teach you how to cut your, your spouse's hair, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm, I'm all in favor of doing everything we can to support local businesses. Matter of fact, you know, we, we've, my, my wife and I have reached out to the, the gal that, you know, cut, cuts our hair, how you doing, those type of things. I, one of the first things we do when, when I think when the state reopens and they allow, like, you know, hairdressers and barbers to go back to work is, you know, I'm, I'm going to be calling and trying to get an appointment and to, to get in. At the same time, I'm not ready to start taking matters in my own hands. And I'm certainly, with all due respect to all the different things you can do on video technology, I, I'm not at a point where I want a virtual haircut where via, you know, the computer, Somebody says, okay, now now cut a little bit over there or cut a little bit there. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's have a little fun in this segment of the program. How are you coping with the fact that, all right, you, you can't see your barber. You can't see your hairstylist. Your hair is undoubtedly getting a little bit longer. Maybe if you're somebody that colors your hair, well, okay, maybe maybe those roots are showing or whatever. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How are you coping? And does the idea of, I don't know, maybe setting up a, a virtual chat with your hairstylist or barber and having them walk through, this is how you do it, would that have any appeal to you, me, Hey, I, I'm I'm just I'm just going to let it grow. I'm going to channel the words of the the musical hair back in 1968. I'm letting it grow. How are you dealing with this? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
sometimes it's the big things, and sometimes it's the little things. One of the little things in connection with this isolation that we all find ourselves under is the fact that you, you, you can't go out and get a haircut. You know, you, if, you, if you color your hair, you can't get a color. Now, I understand that's not the end of the world, except... You know, a lot of people like to do that. There's this trend that is developing where hairstylists will give you a virtual haircut. What they'll do is, you know, you you hook yourself up on the computer, and they'll tell you this is how you hold the scissors, this is where you should be trimming, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not at that point. I mean, my reaction is going to be, I'm, I'm just going to let it grow. <laughs> that's that, that's the, the bottom line, and I guess I'm, I'm happy at my age that I still have, you know, the hair that's going to grow. And if I look like I looked in 1975, well, it wasn't the greatest look, but people will understand. How are you dealing with this? Let's start with Susan in West Bend. Susan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Oh, hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. But my hair is growing. How, how, how are you dealing with this? <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's a deal. You know, I mean, your hair grows, right? I went on, you know, you're saying virtual haircuts. I actually went on YouTube, and I watched it a few times. And, uh, yeah, I gave myself a haircut, and I now have freshened up layers. And the worst that can happen is it's going to grow out. So I don't, I mean, it's not essential <laughs> for me, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> well, how did it turn I mean, how, how did it, objectively speaking, how did it turn out? Oh, it turned out fine. Okay, all right. Yeah, there you go. Well, well, you mm-hmm. know, Mexico. I, I just don't. I, I Mexico. I just don't have that much faith. I, I guess. I, I just, I just don't have that much faith. Je, uh, let's talk to Greg in Jefferson. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, how are you dealing with not being able to get your hair cut? Well, I'll tell you what. I haven't been to my favorite barber in almost two years. It'll be two years in December. And I just decided to go out and buy an electric clipper one day, and I taught myself how to cut my hair, and uh, <laughs> it looks pretty doggone good. Huh. I, huh. I've well, got I, uh... compliments from people that, that said uh, they don't believe I do it myself. Said, yeah, it's all by my own some. Yeah, well, thanks for the call, Greg. I, see, I have this rule that I, I learned early on. I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't do plumbing. I don't do electrical stuff because my experience is I find that not only like if there's a plumbing issue and or electrical stuff, not only can't I fix it, but I typically make it worse. It's never even occurred to me to try to like cut my own hair because, well, I, I just I, I I could just see I, I could see me ending up kind of like shaving it. I guess I, I'm willing to uh, because oh my gosh, look that's lopsided. That looks bad. I guess I'm just kind of comfortable to sort of let it grow. Here's a text, Jeff. I called my hairdresser. She told me to step away from the scissors. <laughs> there you go, Jeff. I went back to the buzz cut like I was in a kid. Unfortunately, my hairline was much farther back than I remember. Um, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, here's Jeff. It's pretty sad that all you can think of is a haircut at a time when our country is in such turmoil. Well, it's, you know, we've got significant stuff and we've got, you know, other stuff that just people are, are affecting people. And I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of folks that are discussing, hey, you know, what are we going to do with our hair, getting our hair cut? Um, Jeff, 50 years ago, my dad cut his own hair and my families and my families with clippers and accessories purchased at a local discount store. Um, what's old? could be returning again. Yes, it could very well be. Let's talk to Sandy in Stevens Point. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Hi, Sandy. I'm good, thank you. Okay, how are you dealing with this? I'm not dealing with it 
very well at all. My, I'm turning <laughs> older by the day. Right before my eyes, my hair is turning gray, and I was supposed to have my appointment this past Saturday. And to be honest with you, this is not good. <laughs> 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 I mean, this is. I mean, I could care less about the haircut. Um, you guys can just, you know, if your hair gets a little too long, throw a little rubber band and make a ponytail out of it. But I'm telling you what, when my hair starts turning a different color, I'm not liking it. <laughs> so it's kind of, remember that the, the old movie, the picture of Dorian Gray, where the guy didn't age, but there his, he had a picture of, of painting somewhere that kept aging. So that's what you're saying. You're saying you just see a little more gray every day or something, huh? Yes, and I'm I'm speaking for thousands of women out there yeah, that are freaking I, I, out the very same way that I am. I, I you know, I, I, I matter of fact, I, I know you are, Sandy. Well, we we will get through this. <laughs> thanks, thanks for yeah. the call. But no, no, it, it is, and you know, she really raises a good point because okay, so my my bangs are a little bit longer and stuff like that. You you can kind of you for, from a guy's perspective, it it is easier. But right, if you if you color your hair or things like that, you are starting to see. Huh, boy, there's a little bit of a change going on here. Uh, Gianni in Montello, you're on WTMJ. Oh, hi, Jeff. Uh, great topic. I was wondering when you were going to get to this topic. Um, <laughs> my solution to the, the haircut is um, purchasing a, a brawn clipper with different attachments. So you right. can, you can um, you know, regulate the, the amount of uh, haircut. And uh, though I, I am uh, follically challenged, so that does make it a little easier for me. But uh, I, I had a uh, Billy Gibbons beard as well about uh, three weeks ago, but I decided that uh-huh. needed to be cut back as, as well. You, you can't wear a mask with a long beard. So um, yeah. I, I guess so I'm getting uh, – I'm, I'm preparing for the heat of the summer. Well, there you go. Which Thanks for calling. Yeah. And, and see, and, and, yeah, and see, and I, see I, I understand. It all just kind of depends if you – now, now, some people who are more, some guys who are more follically challenged, it, it's 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 not a big deal. You get the clippers, you you go through that. Um, I, th- that that just wouldn't work for me. And like I say, there, would I trust my wife with sharp objects by my head? Yeah, I probably would, but I just I don't think it would be good for our marriage. I think I'm just more inclined to kind of just sort of like wait it out. Florian in Waukesha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today? I am, I am well, thank you. Okay, how, how are you dealing with all this? Jay, I, I just got a little rever- reversal on, on the hair hair conditioning uh, or the hair cutting. Uh, my wife's right. been disabled since uh, about 2002, and she's been a beautician for 35 years. And she always did my my son's and my daughter's hair and also cut mine for that, that length of time. No, sure. I'm returning the favor to her now. I cut her hair. I learned to cut hair from her. Okay. And, uh, I, did, was and it, I, I did it take it. you a while? In fact, I got to do. Say, say again. Did it, Did it take you a while to learn how to do it, though? I, I just for for some reason I'm just not sure watching a YouTube video is going to convince me how to cut people's hair. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I didn't do no no YouTube video. I, I did it right <laughs> right from right. I got it right. Put it this way: from the horse's mouth, my wife, and she was excellent. Beautician, and yeah. I learned when I have my hair cut done. I watched the, the 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 barbers and all that how what they do, and I just picked up that and I did her hair, and it turns out wonderful. Huh? Well, I I think I, I, thanks a lot for the call, Floyd. And I actually I think that that's that's great. 
I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hoping for for a lot of us it doesn't come it doesn't come to that. Yes, I understand. Can you color your hair? Can you cut your hair if you have to? Yeah, you you can. But I just that's one of the things that I think we just want to let the pros take care of, don't we? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Clearly, we're we're all confined. I think people are starting to go a little bit squirrely. There is a huge economic thing that is going on now where you have huge chunks of the economy which are, are shut down. And in many cases, shut down without any sort of rhyme or, or reason. I mean, we've got golf courses that are shut down. We've got... Again, hairdressers that are shut down. We've got dog groomers that are shut down because our, our, our approach has been, okay, is it an essential business or not? I have been arguing for a week or two that moving forward, we need to get away from the what is an essential business because it, it's just all over over the map, you know, as, as far as, as that goes. Uh, if you run a Hallmark store, you're not an essential business, so you have to be closed down, despite the fact that you're probably not going to have a lot of foot traffic. But if you sell Hallmark cards in the CVS, you can sell the Hallmark cards. It's just, it's kind of this haphazard sort of thing. I have argued and believed that moving forward, what we need to do is we need to say, all right, stuff should be open unless it is a business that substantially contributes to the likelihood of, of the spread of coronavirus. Plus, the, the whole idea of safer at home, even though we're and, and social distancing and things like that, even though it's being mandated by, in this case, Madison, one of the things I think that we're seeing is people are catching on. I mean, I think it's going to be a long time before most people are going to run into a and sit in a crowded bar. I mean, candidly, once we start reopening bars and restaurants, if those bars and restaurants want to have patrons, they're going to have to figure out a way to practice social distancing. And that maybe that means only having half as many people in, in the place as they did before. Maybe it means the servers wearing masks and things like that. Because the reality is, I, I think we in general are smart. And, I mean, I'm just seeing it just watching people walking. They're, they're wearing masks. It's going to be a long time before... Um, I think people are going to be crowding into places, which if that's how people are going to behave, maybe it means we, we don't need these orders saying that people and places have to be closed because if people are going to patronize these places, th- those businesses are going to have to figure out a way to reopen and, and reopen in a smart fashion. And if the small party store, okay, th- that's not going to attract too many people, why are we telling them that they, they can't be open at this point in time? Now, in Wisconsin, we, we've seen some very, very positive things. We did not have this apocalyptic surge that was, was predicted. Remember a couple of weeks ago, the prediction was, well, if we don't do social distancing, we're going to have 22,000 cases, and we're going to have maybe as many as 1,400 deaths as a result of this. That, that didn't happen. And I think it didn't happen because of two reasons. First of all, the models were bad and the predictions were unduly doomsday. But I also think we're, we're taking this we're taking this whole thing seriously, and I think that is to our credit. Right now, and the numbers vary a little bit, but as of yesterday, the numbers I have: thirty-five hundred and fifteen reported cases, confirmed cases of coronavirus. Thirty-five, fifteen, not twenty-two thousand. Thirty-five. 
15. And the, the number of deaths, it, it kind of varies. I, the number I have is 159, but some people are reporting 171. Most of those, the situations, about half of the coronavirus cases are in Milwaukee County, and of those, the vast majority or the majority are in the city of, of Milwaukee. We had, I think, the numbers I have most recently, 87 new cases day to day. So you're, you're not seeing that this massive exponential doubling. It appears that the stuff is stabilizing. And a matter of fact, in, in many parts of the state, you, you have little or no reported instance of coronavirus. And even in a case where, for example, where like Dane County, where, where you had some that reported, there, there's been, at least over the weekend, there were no new cases of coronavirus reported. I, I don't know if anything's changed over the last two days. But it, it does appear that things are, are stabilizing. So right now, the governor's safer at home, stay at home, don't go out order, is set to expire next week, Thursday. All right? He's going to have to decide what what to do. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I think the governor should say. He should say, look, what we're doing is working. We are seeing positive results. We are seeing this leveling out. And my intention is, assuming these numbers continue to move in the trend that they are moving, and that's a big assumption. But assuming that these numbers are moving in the direction that we're hoping they move, assuming that you know we're not going to see some massive spike uh, in the, these numbers, assuming that our, our resources are not taxed, and that's see that was part of the whole thing with like this leveling the curve. It's not to do away with coronavirus. You're not going to do away with COVID-19 until we get either a treatment or a vaccine. The idea behind all these shutdowns is to stop the number of people who get sick from getting sick, so many of them that you overwhelm the hospital system. And as a general rule, that has not happened yet. So I think what the governor should be saying is, look, I, this, is, this is the date that I have in mind to release these restrictions. And, and maybe it's going to be the 23rd, you know, maybe it's going to be the 30th. But this is the date. And I think businesses in Wisconsin should start planning accordingly. Because, like I say, businesses are going to have to adapt to this new world that's out there. And just because you can say, okay, you, you, you can open your restaurant, doesn't mean that lots of people are going to flock to that restaurant. You're going to have to figure out how you do it. So that's why I think businesses are going to need notice. I think the governor, given where we are right now and where we've been over the last several weeks, it is not unreasonable to put out a date. As, as a target date, and, and maybe it's the 23rd, maybe it's the following week, the 30th, or whatever, leave himself wiggle room saying, look, I'm, we're going to continue to look at these numbers, and if all of a sudden we see this spike or we see this surge, well, then we might figure that it's going to be necessary to keep this going longer. But at some point in time, you, you've, you've got to start the process of giving people an idea and allowing them to prepare while giving yourself leeway. Because like I say, if, if the numbers go south, and all of a sudden you see these huge spikes or something, well, okay, that tells you that, that maybe you, you can't release the restrictions. I, I understand that. But don't we have to start telling people when the date is going to be and what the plan is? Because like I say, it's going to take businesses a, a little while to, to gear up. Don't you have to give them notice? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and whether it's... 
whether it's the end of the original order or a week after that, I mean, we're moving in a really positive direction. And I think even after you lift the, you've got to have the dog groomer closed order, I think people, by and large, are still going to be doing and taking a lot of the precautions they're doing. I don't necessarily know that we need the governor or the government to say, okay, you, you can't be in business nowadays. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it unreasonable to say, all right, based on the numbers you have now, what is the projection? Give us a projected date so we can plan, understanding that if the numbers break bad, well, all right, then maybe we'll have to continue. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I keep hearing stuff about, okay, we're going to close this, we're going to limit your ability, don't go out to the uh, senior living facility and talk to your grandmom through the glass. We're, we're saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Wouldn't it be nice to figure out what the plan is and what the rough idea will be for when we can reopen? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Governor Evers will never open the economy up before President Trump does. He's afraid to make leadership decisions that might make him look bad if it doesn't work. Well, there's probably that. Jeff, I doubt it would be prudent to open up any of the U.S. until at least mid-June. Okay, well, that then raises the question. Yeah, what if isn't New York? different than Marinette, Wisconsin. I mean, seriously, and that that's the idea of this kind of one-size-fits-all thing. Again, keep in mind, COVID-19 is going to be with us for at least another year or year and a half until they get a treatment or a vaccine. So I thought the whole idea of the surge thing was to try to make sure that hospitals in certain areas aren't, aren't overwhelmed. Well, okay, New York has a different dynamic than Marinette does or Manitowoc does or Dane County does or La Crosse does so that this one size fits all approach doesn't make any sense to me. And applying that to Wisconsin, right? Look, you've got a different issue in the city of Milwaukee than you do in, I, I don't know, in, in La Crosse or in Green Bay or whatever. And, and shouldn't we tailor our response to, to those different needs? Plus, on top of this, I firmly believe, and, and again, maybe I'm wrong, maybe people are more stupid than I think they are. But the the truth of the matter is, I think, you know, our, our approach to being around other people has changed. And I will tell you, whether or not Tony Evers says that, that the party store or the dog rumor can open up, I, I think even though people might patronize those places, they're still going to do it, or at least almost all people are going to do it with the same caution that they now do when they go to Costco or when they go to Walmart. That that has changed, and that's not going to be any different. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Andy in Fort Atkinson. Andy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, Hi, Andy. What do you think? a little concerning for um, – I'm on the side of the president as far as making that decision um, to withhold. I don't think people understand that. You can't be out congregating. I see still a lot of that without people wearing masks, and whether they can get masks or they're available to them, that's one thing. But 
there's still people out there that could be carrying the virus and not showing symptoms, and that's been proven mm-hmm. um, with a guy on uh, ABC, Good Morning America. And so these people, uh, you know, are quick to draw the gun. I think I understand the, the small business plea to make money. Um, and well, get going well, but let me ask you, let me ask you this as a practical matter. If, if we accept the premise that this virus is going to be a part of our society for at least the next year and year and a half, there's always going to be people over the next year and a half that are going to be walking around with it. There's always the chance that somebody's going to get sick. I mean, can, can we leave the country shut down for a year and a half on the premise that somebody somewhere might have this virus and might communicate it to others? I think that depends on going back to your what you were saying about statistics um, and where it's where it's you know tapering off um, yeah. in areas that aren't aren't hit as bad. I think it. I, I, I think it's still we have to play it out longer. Um, I mean, in reality, we've never had to deal with this kind of thing before, and over time. It seems like a long time that we've been dealing with this when actually it's only been two to three months. So I still think over the long haul, we need to really play it out. I mean, this is stuff that's not to be messed with. And that's just my opinion on it. But uh, no, again, no, uh, throwing the stats well, out there. Why, no, well, I yeah. appreciate it, Andy. And I guess, I, I mean, I guess here, here, thanks for the call. I mean, here. Look, I, I'm, I'm just trying to do do a number sort of sort of thing, and I, and, and that's why I, I think it would be helpful if the governor would come out and say, "Look, I'm, we're going to we're going to base this on the numbers, and 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 this is this is how many new cases that we've had. It, it's way below what our predictions were, and, and yeah, I think. See, I just think it would be positive to say, okay, based on the, and maybe that would give people even more incentive to try to, I don't know, do, do the right thing if we had these targets. Okay, this is the way these numbers are, are moving, and, and we understand that they can spike one way or the other, but, you know, we're looking and we've seen no exponential growth of coronavirus in Wisconsin in, I don't know, 60 of the 72 counties over the, the course of, of the last couple weeks, and assuming that that continues, assuming that there's not some huge spike somewhere. All right, we're we're going to we're we're going to start letting people go out, and we're going to start letting people interact and, and things like that. And, and maybe you do need. And I, I understand the argument that if you impose some rules for Milwaukee, that um, okay, that then maybe people might travel a little bit. There's probably going to be some of that, but but again, not. You know, how many people are going to drive to Marinette to get their hair cut from Milwaukee is a practical matter. I, I just, that, that's kind of the reality that, that's out there. 855-616-1620. Don't we need to give, shouldn't we start at least thinking about, okay, what, what's the date and what are going to the criteria be? Understanding that if, if the numbers change dramatically and, and maybe, you know, one of the things they're saying is, hey, we had an election a week ago. Today. It was a week ago today. We had an election a week ago today. It, it takes maybe two weeks. Maybe we're going to see the numbers spike as a result of the in-person voting. And, and that's all fair. Maybe we will see that. But if we don't, at some point in time, do we say, okay, we've got to start loosening the reins. We can't, we can't 
order businesses to stay closed for, for months and expect people to stay at home for months. And again, my point on top of this is that some of this is kind of academic because I, I think a lot of us right now, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not going to be in a hurry to, whether the stores are open or not, I'm not going to be in a hurry to, to run and, and stand shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people in a crowded bar. I mean, that's that's just the reality, and I think most people are going to be like that. Most people are going to be keeping their distance even once we start to open up businesses and just because you say to businesses okay you you can be open that that's not going to change the dynamic that you know people are going to still work at home I and mean, i've been working at home this is like the fourth week and, and my guess is it's going to be a long time before you know we're back in the studio that's just the decision you know management makes and management has the right to do that 855-616-1620 let's talk to larry in west bend hi larry you're in wtmj Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? Well, I, I think, uh, as I was saying to your screener, I, I think one of the big challenges that we face is what do you do with the schools? Um, you, you know, so many people are having to make arrangements to stay home with their children while their children are at home. Can you open up their businesses if they're still forced to be at home taking care of children? And if the schools aren't open, they are kind of a hotbed of any kind of illness. Uh, won't that present a huge problem for us that we need to deal with? Yeah, the you know, and, and, and the practical matter too is you raise an interesting point because it's already mid-April. I will be shocked if if, if any schools reopen before the end of the school year. I, I think. I, I, and maybe I'm going to be wrong, but I think the next two months are just going to be written off. I, I just, I just don't see us taking a bunch of kids and putting them in closed classrooms where they're, you know, two feet apart from each other. You know, I, I whether we've leveled the curve or flattened the curve or whatever, I just don't see that happening. This, the, I don't see this happen. I don't see schools being open until the fall. Well, and, and then on top of that, you know, normally you'd have daycares or summer camps or things like that where people would be able to send their children while they're at work. Uh, those places aren't going to be able to take the fill the gap that they would normally be doing right. when schools are closed either. So again, you're, yeah. you're tying up a huge segment of the population who have children of, of yeah. school age kids. I, I yeah. don't know what the answer is. No, th- no thanks for calling. No, I, I that, that's you know, but of course, and, and I appreciate it. But of course, keep in mind, there's lots of people that are still working now. I mean, you know, the, the, whether you're working in an essential business or whether you can work from home or things like that. So, I mean, the folks that are the the grocery store checkers and the people that are working at the hardware stores and the auto mechanics and stuff, the folks that are still working, I mean, they're they're still, I mean, they're they're dealing with it. So, I guess it's something that can happen. Ray in Illinois, Ray, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think? Well, in my as I'm in my fifth week of working at home, um, <laughs> yeah. I. I agree with you. I think we have to put a plan in place to reopen, and I agree with you. I think it's got to be done geographically. Like, for example, here, you know, maybe you don't open up Cook County in Chicago because that's yeah. where most of the stuff is, but you open up the rest of the state, but you open yeah. it up gradually. I, I'd say let the small businesses like you're talking about that have a few customers let them open up first and get the manufacturing open. I think we've got to get that right. done. And then you gradually move it up to restaurants you know, with some limits and some things like that. But I, but you make a really good point uh, that people, I mean, I, I'm sure don't want to go to a, to a, a Miller Park or a Wrigley Field any day soon. No. I mean, I, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> no. So 
So I think it has to be <laughs> gradual and it has to be tailored to the to the area. Yeah, no, th- thanks, Michael. I, I agree completely, and, and I think it's reasonable to set goals. I would love to have, right now, at least in Wisconsin, our approach has been close this, close that. Don't don't allow people to go over to the nursing homes and, and have a visit through the windows. It's this, 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 this. All right, well, now that the numbers are starting to stabilize, and I'm not saying that they can't go up. I, I, I get all that, but maybe we should start saying, okay, what 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 is the plan moving forward? And, and there's nothing that says that you can't change that that plan if the numbers spike in a bad sort of way and and i do think again i'm not sure how much we need the government saying that you you can't go to this business or that business it's going to all work out my guess is and we'll talk about this at some point in time if they were to just boom open restaurants and bars tomorrow my guess is there's a lot of us who would be reluctant to to go i I mean i i just i I don't know what it's going to take before I'm willing to go stand at a crowded bar shoulder to shoulder with people. I, I'm not at that point, you know, right now, or a crowded restaurant where everybody's crammed in. The, the restaurant owners, the bar owners, the business people, they're going to have to figure out, you know, what the new reality is going to be. But I think it's time for the government to start giving us some hope as to when that might be and what the criteria we're going to look at are. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. What is your 4th of July going to look like? The 4th of July, I, I, I understand, I just heard the forecast. It's 42 degrees outside. We're mid-April, so the 4th of July, about 10 weeks, 10 or 11 weeks away from now. So we're mid-April. Um, already, pretty much everything that was scheduled for June and July around here has has been canceled. You know, Summerfest, late June, early July, Summerfest postponed to September. You have a number of the big ethnic festivals that are, are off, Festa Italiana and German Fest, which are both scheduled for mid to late July. They, they've been canceled Yesterday, um, Port Washington's Fish Day, which is a, a huge event, that's a Saturday in the middle of July. That's now been canceled. Uh, State Fair is probably the, the next big thing that we're waiting to hear what happens. And in a lot of cases, I mean, the reason these, these events are getting canceled is is because, again, the uncertainty. Nobody knows what the world is going to look like. And to put on these events, what you have to do is you have to You've got to find sponsors. You've got to line up volunteers, et cetera, et cetera. And it becomes very difficult to do that given all the uncertainty that, that's here. I mean, how, how do you go and get commitments from people to, I don't put up booths? Or how do you go and call people and say, hey, I need you to commit to being able to, you know, come and work this particular weekend in July? Because people are going to say, I, I, I can't commit to that. I don't, I don't know what the world is going to look like. It, it's just, it is that uncertainty. So a lot of these festivals and stuff are, they're just making the, the understandable but unfortunate decision to cancel and say, look, we're just going to, we're going to reset for for 2021, and again, state fair is going to be the the next situation because, like I say, already things in July are being canceled right and left, which brings us to the question of the Fourth of July. Fourth of July is big all over this country, and it's big around here. I mean, my my typical plans on, on a normal <clears throat> July third, for example, 
we attend one of the the local parades that, that that's out there, Menominee Falls or whatever. We we you know, and, and it's a big deal. And there's a parade, and you go and you you camp out, and and you 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 watch you know what happens. And you're sitting there, and you're bunched in with all sorts of other people, and you've got the folding chairs that are out there. Maybe you go down to the lakefront on July 3rd, and you know what we have couple hundred thousand people who go down there and you put out your blankets and you put out your tents and you sit kind of very close proximity to people and watch the fireworks then typically on the fourth of july you've got um in milwaukee county you've got the fireworks that go on in the local parks and if you attend those again you're putting down your blanket and you're sitting in very close proximity to your friends and neighbors our number and and i do this just as a as a check to see where your head is at our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Will there be a 4th of July celebrations, whether it's the parades or whether it's the fireworks? Are, are we going to have that? Or is this going to be the year of the asterisk when the, the local community parades and the fireworks all, all get postponed? Because, like I say, a lot of big events in July are already being put off because of social distancing concerns and the coronavirus. What's the 4th of July going to look like, in your opinion? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I hope, let me just say this and start, I hope I am wrong. Nobody could hope I am wrong more than I hope that I am wrong. But the way it is going now, Given the fact that we are 10 weeks away from the 4th of July, I would not be shocked at all if the traditional parades and fireworks were pretty much canceled, um, just, just as a matter of course. Because I, I think, I mean, we're, we're fighting about whether we allow you know individual businesses that are only going to have 10 or 11 or 15 people in them in the course of an entire day. We're arguing about whether those should be open. Are we really, by mid-July, early July, going to be in a position where we're going to say, yeah, we're going to have thousands of people that are going to be sitting in lawn chairs up and down a, a parade route in Germantown or Menominee Falls or at Clody Park in Whitefish Bay or on the lakefront? I, I just, I, I don't see it. Hope I'm wrong. What do you think the 4th of July is going to look like this year? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this might be the year that the 4th of July did not occur. Hope I'm wrong. What do you think? And how do you feel about it? I mean, think about the way that you typically celebrate the 4th of July. Think about the parties you go to, what your traditions are. Do you think you're going to be following that this year? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. The corona pandemic has touched us all, left us with more questions and answers. What can I do to prevent the spread? What will our economy look like when it's over? Join us today. From 4 to 6 for WTMJ Cares, a special town hall with John McCure, where we'll bring you experts in medicine and finance to help answer your questions. WTMJ Cares is powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum, sponsored by Aurora Healthcare, Drake & Associates, Siding Unlimited, and Annex Wealth Management. WTMJ Cares is supporting the Salvation Army of Milwaukee County, 
Go to WTMJ.com slash WTMJCares or text the word CARES to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620 to learn how you can help. Jeff, I have been going to Door County for over 20 years over the 4th of July. I got a call last week. The resort we stay at, they are not opening this year. They're not opening this year. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, um, unfortunately, let's see. It would be great to celebrate Independence Day like in years past, but I just don't see that happening. Could be some fireworks viewed only from a distance on individual nearby properties with mandatory physical distancing, but certainly no parades near, nor typical family activities in parks. And I, I, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, and like I said, I, I hope I'm wrong, I, that, that's, that is kind of the dynamic. I mean, because, again, we're already seeing events later on in July that are being canceled for the year. You know, Ten weeks from now, are we going to be comfortable sitting on blankets next to you know, strangers in public parks? I, don't, I doubt it. Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? I'm well, thank you. What's the 4th of July going to look like? It's, it's going to be different. <laughs> I think it's going to be like your 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 texture said, where it might be, uh, you know, they might shoot fireworks off, but it's going to be, uh, you know, it, they're not going to be able to have crowds, you know. So, yeah. um, and, and you know, and, and, you know I would tell you, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, and even see as a practical matter, even if. If all the 4th of July activities went off as scheduled, my guess is, Steve, a lot of people would be taking a pass this year. I mean, I, you know, even if they said, okay, we're going to have the parades and we're going to have the fireworks, my guess is a large number of people would say, you know, I'm just not sure I feel comfortable sitting out on that blanket, you know, watching this go on. So, I mean, even if you had it, I, my guess is 50% of the people that normally attend wouldn't attend. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think so. No, I think I think you're right in in saying that. Um, you know, I think I think uh, that the, the fair is also going to get canceled. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, this is. Uh, you know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I don't even like to say you know to think that way, but you know that's the reality that we're in. I mean, um, it's yeah, this, I, this this year. This year is just it, it's the year of Corona. So. Yeah. No. Thanks for the call. No. I mean, it, it's kind of the year of the asterisk. Now, like I say, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm not making any predictions about State Fair. I, State Fair is as with Summerfest. I love those activities. I love the idea. It's one of the things I look forward to is being able and, and doing my program from State Fair, and we can interact. And I go out during the breaks, and I get to shake hands. And, and who, who knows if people are going to ever shake hands again after this whole thing is done? Um, but. But, I mean, the practical matter is, even if we wave a magic wand and say, okay, we're going to open everything up, I, I just think, that there, personally, people are going are, are to be cautious going back into the area where they're around you know, other people, and at least for the foreseeable future. And so that, that is the reality that organizers are, are faced with. Eileen in Glendale. Eileen, you're on WTMJ. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm calling on behalf of my husband, who is president and director of the Shrine Clowns. Okay. And the clowns usually perform in various cities, Scenesville, Menominee Falls, Dallasman, and so on. And our eldest son, who is also a clown, is usually the one that does organize all of the parades. This year, at this point, they have done nothing, which means the clowns will not be getting any money, 
in turn, there'll be no money to send to the Shrine Hospital in Chicago to help the children. So by, by we say the clowns have done nothing, you mean they haven't been contacted by any parade organizers and they haven't been booked to perform anywhere? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, oh. I yeah. No, it's a it's a darn shame. <laughs> just there, there's no question it about is. it. It's a darn shame. And if yeah, so thanks for the call, I appreciate it. Oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to have crew cut you off. Um, but but no, it, it's a it, it's a. I mean, this is kind of the reality, and it's it's. And I guess I'm not surprised to hear that because this is one of these things with with all the uncertainty that's out there. You you have to prepare these events. You have to you have to book the the, the shrine folks to come out and, and 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 do all this stuff. You have to line up the volunteers to work at the beer tents. You've got to you know get the various sponsors and and all that kind of stuff is being put on hold. It's why. And I know we're talking about the Fourth of July, but you know the, the next month, it's why some people said, "Oh, okay, we, we they can have a Democratic National Convention like they were planning." And 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 I think it's a damn shame that they're not going to be able to do it because the, the idea of fifty thousand people coming into Southeast Wisconsin and spending money at hotels and restaurants and bars that that's an exciting thing, and that's exactly what the economy of this area needs. But it's just I don't see how it can happen because who's I mean, who's out there you know, raising money to make th- this happen right now? I mean, given what's going on and all this uncertainty, can you imagine trying to go to a business and say, hey, we want you to sponsor the Democratic National Convention. Give us $2 million. Or, you know, we, we need X thousand volunteers to do this, that, or the other thing. Well, how, how do you go and ask people to volunteer and make this commitment now when they don't know what the world is going to look like a couple months from now? It's just it, it's the reality of what we end up facing. And it's it's unfortunately... It's unfortunately not necessarily a, a pretty picture, but I, I do think, as one of our callers was saying earlier, I think 2020 is going to go down as the, the, the year of corona, or at least coronavirus. And that's why I was listening to the sportscast earlier, and Greg Matzik says, well, the NBA is considering maybe maybe trying to resume play in July for the, the 2019-2020 season, to which... My response would be, really? I mean, the, the new season starts in October. If, if I were you guys or, or November, I, I'd be concentrating on figuring out less how we can try to finish a season that's been just decimated by the coronavirus and figuring out, you know, how can we make sure we, we start safely again in October? I, I never thought we would be talking about a year without baseball at, at Miller Park. You know, and the truth of the matter is we, we may very well be doing that and you know I, I understand you know NFL doesn't start till after Labor Day but I, I think that's going to be one of these conversations can you picture at least at this point in time can you picture 70 plus thousand people at, at Lambeau Field or 80 plus thousand people and everybody crammed together like that I you know you would almost think it's, it's unthinkable to say you know maybe you're not going to have NFL games but Maybe you're not going to have NFL games, and don't be surprised if, if Fourth of July celebrations are one of the the next shoes to drop. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.